0: Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 187. And I am delighted to be having another conversation with my daughter, Imogen. We've got a long list of things that we want to talk about, including a couple of books and something that we have been watching. And I think that the main topic of the day, Imogen, it will be uh, what happens when we place high expectations on children and when we try and control their lives. Yeah, that might be something good to chat about. What do you think?
1: I think so. It's it's quite amazing how we always end up finding a theme between everything. We just sit down and go, okay, what do we want to talk about? Oh, look, there's a theme here. There
0: is, and it sort of appears as we're uh, chatting, doesn't it?
1: It does. It's, it's funny how things line up like that. I didn't welcome you to my podcast. Welcome to my podcast, I was Imogen. I say, am I not welcome this week? It's <laughs> just the week where we finally go, okay, we've had enough, Imogen.
0: Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> as you might know I don't know if you do know I didn't do a podcast last week
1: I guessed because last week was pod, last time was podcast 186 and this week's 187 and I'm pretty sure there's not a number in there where there was a solo episode
0: no I don't know what happened there <laughs> maybe oh I enjoy talking to you more so maybe I just <laughs> thought oh look I'll wait till next week but anyway what were we talking about last time we met which was two weeks ago
1: Oh, we talked about all sorts of things. We talked a lot about um, feed, gi- giving feedback, receiving feedback. I think we actually, I think we actually did receive some feedback last time, which was quite amazing. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about criticism too, weren't we? Yes.
0: And paying it forward—that was the title. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we said, I think that it's so wonderful when we do get some feedback, but we don't get a lot of it. Hey? Yes. And we did get some feedback this time, but after we. Um, Stop talking last week, I had this thought, I thought, well, what if everybody rushes out and writes reviews for us and gives us lots of good feedback <laughs> and... Last week, I was saying how we tend to bury our heads in the sand, don't we? We don't go looking for reviews because what if someone has given us a bad review? We'd rather not hear about it. (laughs) And so if dozens of people last week responded to that episode, Imogen, and they all headed over to Amazon and Goodreads and Apple Podcasts, and they wrote us loads of good
1: five-star reviews, would we have seen them? (laughs) Well, no, <laughs> <laughs> but actually I was, um, I was looking at, I had to look up some things about my own books on Amazon and Goodreads in the past couple of weeks. And I think in the last episode, I, I mentioned that one of my only reviews on my latest book, Frost Hands, was a two-star review Well, a two-star rating wasn't even a review. They didn't say anything, but I was looking it up for something else. Um, and I was delighted to discover that, that there were two ratings on there that I had never seen before.
0: Were they good ones?
1: I was a four star and a five star and one of them had a review attached and I was very touched. It was, it was lovely. Do you remember who it was so you can thank them? No, I don't think it had a name on it because otherwise I think I would have remembered. Like I'd have to go back and have another look. But it, as far as I remember, there wasn't a name attached. It was just it was a lovely, a lovely um, review and I was very grateful for it.
0: Well, that's good. It makes a difference, doesn't it? So maybe we should be braver and go and have a look. Because <laughs> even though we might not be uh, wanting to hear about the negative ones, maybe the positive ones will give us that encouragement to
1: keep on going. It's a bit of a balance between the two, I think. Yeah.
0: And there's something interesting that I was reading. This is not in our notes, image, and it just occurred to me, and I'm going to go off track uh, oh, in the first <laughs> five minutes.
1: I was going to say this is early for us.
0: It's a bit to do with last week. So I'm going to continue but you know that book we were talking about last week uh show your work by austin cleon and uh, a bit that i read after we done our podcast was about getting feedback and he said that there's nothing wrong with closing comments to your work that you don't have to let everybody comment on it yes it is nice when people do but you don't have to. I never, yeah. I never thought of that before, that you can put your work out there, but you don't have to expose yourself to negative comments. I mean, it's really hard to not to do that if you have your books on Amazon because you have no choice.
1: Yes, you can't exactly close your reviews off. You do need those reviews to be able to sell anything. But in other places,
0: you, people, you don't have to give people the right to review your work. It's your work. Yeah? yes. So anyway, that was an interesting thought that he expressed, which I had never considered before. But anyway, we did get some review uh, not reviews, uh, feedback on last week's episode because I got some feedback within our unschooling community and I always read everything in there. <laughs> and uh, the members in there, my friends, they're always so encouraging anyway.
1: So shall I read a little bit of what... A uh, few people said. I think so, because I think it was lovely of them to leave us these comments.
0: Well, the first uh, feedback was from Noel. I think Noel's going to get famous because we're going to mention <laughs> her every week, aren't we?
1: Good. Shout out to Noel.
0: <laughs> anyway, let's see what Noel said. Well, she said it a lot, but I'm just going to pick out a sentence or uh, two. Here, she said, I loved the quotes you mentioned about criticism. They were spot on. I do really enjoy all of the podcast. It feels as though I'm sitting and chatting with friends. And I think it would be a great idea to let Imogen lead the next time. It could be fun to mix it up. So please tell her I encourage the idea completely.
1: We did actually discuss doing that for this week, but it was my decision. I said, no, I won't lead this one, mostly because... The split of things that we had to talk about this week was much more focused on mum's side of things rather than mine, which I don't, which absolutely don't mind because I always have plenty to stick my oar in everywhere. But it felt more natural for me not to lead this particular one. But we're thinking about it in the future of just have for a bit of fun trying one of those episodes where I'm in charge. It could be a disaster, it could not, but you know.
0: People might be wondering what we're talking about because <laughs> uh, that was a last comment we made before we turned off the, the recording, wasn't it? Yeah. I suggested that <laughs> instead of me saying, hey, you know, I'm well. this is my podcast and we're going to be talking about this. I was going to let you go in the driver's seat.
1: Yeah. And if you're turning off while we're doing our sign off, you are missing out.
0: <laughs> because there's something right to the end these days, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, listen to the very last second. You never know what you
1: might hear. You never know what we've got up to.
0: All right, another piece of feedback from Miranda. Sue and Imogen, that was a great episode. I love how open you both are in sharing your experiences. I'm so thankful for your bravery. And she says, I thought what Imogen said about everyone being the same age online was very interesting. I have never thought about that. Uh, in that way before nor die so that was a good uh thing that you said last week about how we don't know how old people are when they're leaving comments do we
1: no you don't know who this person is you don't know how old they are you don't know where they're from so they the point i basically made for anyone who missed that episode is a person who leaves you a comment unless you personally know who that who they are there's no reason to give their opinion so much weight because Everyone's the same age, you could be receiving feedback from somebody with a lifetime of experience, or you could be receiving feedback from someone who's 12. And And
0: there's not much point getting upset about a negative opinion from someone who's 12 who doesn't have the experience and doesn't really uh, can't really give you the feedback you need. Exactly. Okay, so Kara said. I really did enjoy the dynamic between you and Imogen. You are a great team. So isn't that good? I I think we're a great team as well. (laughs) Well, you know, we've always worked as a team, haven't we? Helping each other, and we enjoy each other's company. We've never got a shortage of things to say, which means I should get on, shouldn't I? I mean, this is last week's feedback. We need to get on to today's topic. And Tanya said, that was a great podcast, guys. So... That's a few of the um, things that people said. There was other things there, but I just picked out a, b- a little bit.
1: So, thank you to anyone who did leave us a comment. We have been reading them, and um, if if you feel like it, leave us some more some more feedback, any ideas or thoughts.
0: And if you have written uh, a review anywhere, and we haven't discovered it, perhaps somebody could send us a message.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and we'll, and we'll have a look at it. Maybe we'll read it out if you've left us one, and and if- and, and if not, know that we appreciate it. <laughs>
0: No, we do. All right, on to today's topics. Now I really want to talk about a particular part of the book, Indistractable. Now we've mentioned that before, haven't we? And I know that because I couldn't I wasn't sure about the author's name, how we pronounce
1: it. Yes, it is a bit unusual.
0: Would you like to pronounce it for a no. change?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is this is very definite. I'm just gonna say no. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong because I heard another pronunciation of it. But um, so,
1: should, should we try a different pronunciation this week?
0: Well, I can't remember how, what, how the other person said the word, but I thought hmm, that's not how I'm pronouncing it. <laughs> uh, it's eal, no, but that's e y a l.
1: Isn't it Nuriel? Nur is his first name.
0: I'm not sure. I'm
1: pretty sure Nur is his first name.
0: Let me look. Oh look! N- how how can I get that mistake?
1: Is it NIR or is it near? nir? N
0: I R. It's N I R, but is it pronounced near? Because his blog is called Near and Far. Oh, you're right. It's the other way around. <laughs> oh my goodness me! I'm, I am.
1: It's old age, so it's probably so it's probably near eel. Yeah, there you go. There I we, told we go. You, you should have pronounced. <laughs> oh well. That's... Does anyone else ever have this problem with names? You, you look at it and go. I have no idea how to say this, and I feel bad for it. <laughs> Uh, we're giving it
0: our best well sometimes people call us elvis don't they thinking that's our first name
1: (laughs) it's not spoiler it's not
0: yeah i've had uh, emails and dad has where they say dear elvis thinking itself it's the first name so yes well i'll give a reason why i got that round the wrong way at the end of the podcast Everyone is gonna have to listen right to the end (laughs) to find out my excuse for today why i am a little bit forgetful (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah. So you're going to tell us about *Indistractable*, a, a book that we have talked about on the podcast. I think did we mention it? We've mentioned it in the last couple of episodes as well. But it's a re- very good book. I, I've actually read this one.
0: Yes, and the reason I brought it up the first time is because we're discussing this book in our unschooling community, one part of the book each week. And this week we're oh we're up to a really interesting um, part, part six, to do with how to make kids indistractable. And I'm sure we can have a great conversation about that. <laughs> That because everybody wants to know how to encourage their kids to uh, re- self-regulate their internet usage yes. and devi- devices. I
1: think it's I think it's one of the most um, hotly debated topics in any form of schooling or parenting ever.
0: That's right. Everyone
1: wants to know is there is there a magic secret? There's no magic.
0: So we're going to be discussing that this week. I just noticed that the post for this week has just gone up in our community. So the conversation will get going on that very shortly. But last week, we talked about part five of the book, How to Make Your Workplace Indistractable. And you know, when I saw the title, I've, I've read the book twice. And I'm getting so much more out of it because we're discussing it with different people. And uh, one thought of leads to another, and other people are thinking about things that I didn't notice the first time around. It's really good. That's why it's good to discuss things. But the title, How to Make Your Workplace Indistractable, and I thought, well, I don't go to a a workplace. I wouldn't say I don't work because I work hard.
1: But you're not in a workplace, and a lot of times when you see a title that's talking about the workplace, like, oh, this chapter's not going to apply to me because I'm not in that sort of environment.
0: And I think it would apply to Dad because he works at school, and the whole idea, I think, is that when you work in a workplace, sometimes everything works against you. You want to do good work, but uh, either other people distract you or you find ways to distract yourself from the work. Yes. And so at first I thought, no, this chapter, this part, is a few chapters in the part five, is not relevant to me. I'll skim it through it. And you know, I got started to read it properly and realized that well, a lot of the ideas in it, are applicable to unschooling in children. So can I share that? Absolutely. Now I'll just start with saying um, about the workplace. Now just imagine you're in a workplace and uh, your boss has high expectations,
1: right? So you fulfill
0: those expectations, but then he doesn't thank you for it. He just raises the,
1: the... The bar and now you've got a higher set of expectations. At this time, you've got to hit a new level. That's right. And you can
0: never, ever make that person
1: happy. Yes.
0: They never come back and say, you've done a great job, right? And the other thing is, sometimes you, that person, the boss, might come to you with something and want you to do it, and you think, look, there's a diff- better way of doing that. Or uh, and they gave a lot of examples of, of times when the boss it, uh, wants to use your free time for work. So yes. they'll email you at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> and say, I want you to have this done for the morning. And uh, they really are controlling your life. They tell you exactly what to do and they keep calling you to meetings which don't need to be um, – meetings that you don't need to have so they're distracting you from your work. Anyway, you're working away and all of a sudden they say, I want to meet you in the office, we're having a meeting, and you think, oh, this is unnecessary. But you've got to do it Yes, because they're your boss. And so – there's high expectations and there's control over the employees and what happens if you're do you thinking me if you're working in that sort of situation because you have worked in that yes
1: i have unfortunately been in that situation and at some point the pressure of it becomes too much because you're working so you're doing so much work for absolutely like it's not that you're not earning money but you've got it you've got to get something else out of it even if it's just the recognition that you've done a good job and if you're not getting that you will it basically it stops meaning anything and it just becomes this big pressure on you and you start just sort of sinking into like um into stress and depression and such because it's just such a difficult situation and you don't want to be in that situation anymore and so now You're not doing your best work anymore.
0: (laughs) Well, I remember your boss saying something like, you have to understand that this is not an easy job and I expect a lot. But he kept putting more and more and more expectations on you, didn't he?
1: Yes. It started out like for the job I was working in, it started out as I came to him and I was like, you know, when I was interviewing for this and I was like, I would like to work three to four days a week because I I really wanted part-time work. Because I do all my writing and such around that, and my outside job supports that. I was like, I'd like to work three or four days a week, um, and I, you know, I work as a waitress, and I was hired for that position as a waitress for three to four days a week, and three to four days a week becomes five days a week, and five days a week becomes. Um, you know, do you, could, would you think about doing six days a week? You know, why why don't you want to work seven days a week? You know, and we're like, well. Aren't you a faithful employee? It's like, I'd like to do some things outside of work, you know. I'd just like to have a life. And it's like, oh, but what, why don't you want to work seven days? Like Literally, that was a conversation I had. You know, we're thinking of doing this other venture. Would you be willing to work five days here and two days there? And I just looked at them and went, no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> because why would you want to do that? It's, this this is not the job that I would this is not a job that I'm passionate about doing as a career for the rest of my life. It's my it's my second job, you know. Like, obviously, I give as much as I can to that job as, re- as is reasonable, but this is not, you know, it's not like I want to run my own cafe one day. It's not building to something. And me working for them was not building to progression for me in that job either. It wasn't fulfilling. And, you know, five days a week becomes now you're working Ten, eleven hour days, and now you're working um, a three day public holiday without the double time pay that you should be that you should be receiving for that because you know it's good for the business that you're working this and you know we need all hands on deck and aren't you um you know aren't you a loyal employee and then you go from being a waitress to now you've got to help the kitchen staff and get the kitchen staff's work done but you've got to get your own staff done. You've got to serve the customers but you've also got to be the one baking the cakes but nobody trusts you to be in charge of anything. So you've got someone looking over your shoulder the whole time judging what you're doing and criticizing what you're doing and then from there now you're not doing a good enough job on anything and you're being criticized in front of the customers and the customers are standing there awkwardly and you're standing there awkwardly while someone's shouting at you in front of them and it's like one thing becomes another thing becomes another thing and the and the more it piles on the less you want to be part of that job and the less like the less good work you're going to do and you know as soon as I left that job like oh but they were the best workers we ever had. It was like, cool. You never told me that while you, while I was there. I had to fight to get a legal wage. And then we never got any of the extra pay we should have got for any of the days. Not time and a half for Sundays. Not double pay for for public holidays. Nothing.
0: And you didn't even get a break during the day for lunch.
1: No. I, I, worked, I must have worked there for oh, good six months, I think. And in that whole time, you never got given... See, legally, if you work an eight-hour shift you are entitled to either one 30 minute break or two 15 minute breaks so that you can have something to eat, you know, you can go to the bathroom or whatever. And in the whole six months I worked there five to six days a week, I I was never given a break to go and have lunch or to go to the bathroom um, or to do anything. You would not get your time off. You would not eat. And it was because it was such a stressful time. I drive in in the morning and i wouldn't eat a proper breakfast because i was so stressed about the day and then you wouldn't eat anything for you know 10 11 hours while you're working and then you come home and be like, oh i don't feel very good now so like, i wonder why i don't feel very well yes it
0: was a very difficult job wasn't it and the, you and uh, sophie in the end had to resign because of health reasons
1: yes literally and It's the hardest as well, because when you have a job like that, you feel like you have to be grateful that you've got work. Like for me, it was a job I managed to pick up in the middle of all the lockdowns last year. It was a pandemic job, you know, my, the job I loved doing, like the workplace that I loved working for, they had to shut down because it wasn't financially sustainable for them to stay open and I needed work. Like I was, I didn't have money coming in. It the financial benefits system wasn't set up for people who had jobs that they could come back to. Like I had friends who were trying to sign up for that, but it was the job seeker payment. You had to be applying for jobs during this time rather than we've got a job waiting for us. You know, we, we've just got to survive till it comes back. And the whole process of, of applying for that was just too complicated because like, what was the last time, what was the last date you worked? When did you leave your last job? I was like, well, how do I answer that? Because I've still got a job. It's just not open. I can't work at it. So when you're in that situation, you feel like you need to be grateful for the work you have. And so you're stuck there because it's like, well, at least I have a job. You know, other people don't have work. And it becomes it's one of those situations like you can't get out because you it's bad. But it's like, well, at least I've got work. At least I've got money.
0: And I think that your employer tried to push that as well, didn't he? You're the lucky one. I'm employing you. And uh, you should be grateful to me. And then when you and Sophie resigned, I went along with Sophie on the day when she took back all the uniforms and her resignation. And he just had no idea why you wanted to resign from his, uh, you know, why you didn't want his job. And then it was all the emails, wasn't it? Oh, look, we really want you, and uh, we want it. You're the best workers we ever had, and will you consider coming back? <laughs> and you thought it's a matter of trust, then?
1: Yeah, and it was also. It was a very bad time for them to be contacting me because I was actually quite sick at that point from the whole situation. And every time I saw something from them, it would just. It was. It was just like this gut response. I was like, no, never again. I can't do this again. It was. It was bad. It was like. It was so bad.
0: So that's what happens when there's high expectations and control in the workplace. And you're a very good example. We know all about that.
1: <laughs> but yes, unfortunate situations. But it does go to prove that high expectations and control can be in, in any sort of workplace. We're not just talking an office workplace with meetings and such. Any workplace can have these problems. All
0: right. So we've never, oh, look, I'm, I, don't, I don't have to deal with that because I have a lovely life. <laughs> I, I, I set my own expectations and I control my own working life. So I'm I'm very fortunate there.
1: You're a very good boss to yourself, I, w- I will say. <laughs> she's, got, she's got lovely management in this job. Oh, I do. I do
0: sometimes put too much on myself, though, because I do have those times when I overwhelm myself, but I can only com- complain to myself, can't yeah, I? But then,
1: then you call yourself into your a meeting and go, okay, your expectations are unrealistic and placing me under an un- an unimaginable amount of stress. Now, you've got to stop this. <laughs> yeah,
0: but do I listen to myself? <laughs> I can hardly resign for myself, can I? Um, but anyway, can we go on to how I took that to unschooling?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Now, do you think everybody can actually see the leap without me explaining it? So well, we've never experienced this with children, but I'm sure this is what happens. You put high expectations on kids. And you control their lives and will it lead to unhappiness in kids? Do we ever think about that? That sometimes parents uh, set goals for their kids and they want them to strive for as high as they can go and they won't say... You did a great job there because what they want to do is make the child strive even harder.
1: It's like if you if you get a score of 98% on a test rather than going, "Well done, that's amazing." Go, oh, "Okay, where's that last 2%?"
0: <laughs> well, I know someone who um was in that situation. <laughs> and yeah, it's very difficult. So you never hear that you're doing a a good job. And I think the idea behind it is that if If a parent stops and says, hey, that was really good, they think that a child will say, oh, look, I've done enough. I've got the praise. I needn't strive any further. What do you think to that?
1: No, absolutely not. Um, Because there's no point to working hard if you don't feel fulfilled or feel like you're getting something out of working so hard. Um, And if you know, while a child is at home and a parent is pushing them, they're going to keep working hard because what they're getting out of it is releasing some of that pressure that's being put on them. You know, they're not always being badgered. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Because they're doing it all, whether or not they like it. But maybe there's some fear in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's all they're getting out of it is it's, it's... They
0: have to because it's parent against child and the parent has the upper hand.
1: Whereas if you, you know, praise the behavior and, you know, give them give them the sense that they're doing well, it becomes a more positive experience. It becomes something that they might like and they might, and, and they can realize like, I can do this. I can push myself. You know, I can, I can become, you know, I can, I can do really great things rather than just stopping where they are. Um, so it's more encouraging if people don't – kids don't say, well, look, I've done enough and
0: they give up. They're encouraged to keep on striving because they have yeah. a confidence. Maybe someone has confidence in them. Yeah,
1: and actually I, was, I heard an interesting opinion around gifted um, students, you know. Mm-hmm. And people – you know, when people talk about my child is so gifted and gifted children have quite – you know, can sail through the first part of school and find it really easy. And a lot of gifted students end up burning out when they when they hit, you know, high-level education because they don't know how to study. And the, but the opinion was that if you stop saying, my child is gifted, you know, you're so smart and you change what you're saying to, wow, you did so well, you worked so hard on that. It's a, it's a shift in perspective. And now you're praising the behavior And it's, you know, it's the, it's them applying themselves that becomes the good thing rather than you're, you're really smart. You know, you did this because you're really smart, but you did this because, you know, you worked hard and you, you know, you really thought hard about that. And, and what, and what this person was saying was that if you, if you frame it that way, people are actually going to work harder because, you know, they're seeing that what they, that something they're doing is having an effect and is fulfilling and you know the behavior itself is desirable and so they like it
0: yeah so
1: um
0: Oh, I've lost my train of thought there yeah <laughs> when I was love no 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 I was so busy thinking about what you' th- were saying that I forgot to hold the thought in my head that I had which <laughs> is probably good because that's what uh, conversations are about isn't it because sometimes we're so concerned about what we're going to say next you're sitting,
1: you're sitting there going okay so they've said this now I'm just waiting
0: for a chance to say this thing <laughs> exactly rather than listening to the other person who probably has something better to say than what you were going to say anyway. And that's exactly what's happened here.
1: Well, I think a, a lot of parents um, put these high expectations on their kids because they're, because they're like, "But I want I want a good life for my child. You know, I want my child to be set up and ready for ready for life. I want, want them to have a good job, or whatever." And you know, they'll they'll see how worthwhile this is in the end.
0: And I think that's um, the whole point of it is that parents aren't nasty; they really want the best for their kids. So, yes, and they think they know how to. Uh, How to arrange things so their child achieves as much as they can so they will have a happy and secure future. Yeah?
1: That's why you get so many parents pushing their children to become doctors and lawyers and all these high paying, you know, very jobs that need such a high level of education because they're all this, you know, they're seen as the safe jobs and the high paying ones. And if you can get into this career, you're set for life.
0: And so that parents um, push for a good reason and what I find really sad is that a lot of parents don't realize that while they're doing this for hopefully what they think is for the benefit of their child their child is suffering yes and it's so sad because children end up unhappy Uh, you just imagine if you never get any feedback positive feedback about what you're doing. You never feel good within yourself. You're never good enough.
1: And you never feel like you have an option to do something else. It's always, this is what you're going to do. You can't do something else. I don't care you know, whether you want to do this thing or get this job. You have to do this one thing because that is, that is the correct path.
0: And um, control. When parents are controlling every aspect of their child's life, thinking, I know the big picture. I've got more experience. I want to keep my child safe. Yeah, those sort yes. of things. So they'll control who they see, uh, what they watch, what they read, um, where they go, all sorts of things. Uh, and that lack of control over your own life leads to depression too. Yes. Um, you have no say of your own life. Mm. Nobody listens to you. And to think that kids can get very unhappy and depressed when their parents just want the best for them is, yeah, very sad, as I've said. So that's the connection I got from that is that's what happens when we put high expectations and control over listening to our kids. Um, you got anything else to add to that? Because I find that really very sad, but it's something which a lot of people do.
1: Yes, and it's and I think it's even sadder because they, they're they doing it for what they see are the right reasons and they don't realise effect it has until it's too late because you know there's always this tough love parenting you know you got to do it this way because you got to you got to set them up for life and they'll understand one day and you're sitting there going you know from your outside perspective going yes but but what they're going to see one day is that eventually they'll have control and they can do something else and they won't appreciate that as much you what you've done as much because They've never had the chance to make the, these decisions for themselves.
0: Do you think that um, once they get their own life, there's two ways people can go. They can either rebel completely about what you said and go in the opposite direction to what the parent intended in the first place as rebellion. Yes. Or they have no confidence and to they go st- their own way and they
1: stay where they where they are and they're unhappy because now they're doing something that they really hate, no matter how you know financially stable they are.
0: Or they they they're just fearful all the time mm. because. Um,
1: and yeah. you, you've never you've never been given the chance to, to learn and grow and become confident in yourself. And
0: I was also thinking about, is it obvious that kids are unhappy in that situation? And I think sometimes it is. But also, sometimes parents don't listen. Yeah. They, they say, well, look what we just said. They'll thank me later. I'm the parent. They're the child. I know better. It doesn't matter if they're unhappy because I'm setting them up for a good its
1: future where, it's where i think a lot of problems between parents and teenagers come from because teenagers are at that age where they're looking to they're looking for looking at their future you know they're starting to find out who they are and what they want to do and their parents have a, have a very set idea of you know you're going to do this you're going to go to university you're going to get a good degree you're going to get a good job and you know the the path that the teenager wants to take either might not be clear to them yet but they know it's not that path or oh, they already know what they want to do, but it's not something that their parents accept. And, you know, if if they're not being listened to, it just becomes resentment. Yes. So
0: again, um I was listening to you and I've forgotten what I wanted to say. (laughs) I'm talking too much this episode. I have to shut up. (laughs) But you said that you didn't want to lead because this was all about my stuff.
1: Well, it was. And then I I decided I had an opinion and you were going to listen to it.
0: (laughs) All I was going to say is you've got loads of good uh, things to say about this. And I'm really glad that I'm having this conversation with you because it isn't one-sided, just me. Uh, expressing some thoughts that I had in the week about that, um, and also it's nice you agree with me. It's <laughs> that nice when we're a team and you don't have to worry about the other person uh, coming back and contradicting you. When <laughs>
1: well, it must, be, it must be even more encouraging as a parent because. We didn't have this conversation earlier. We just put down a couple of dot points, like, okay, we'll talk about this one. We didn't. We, we haven't coordinated our responses. It's just turned up in the same place.
0: You know, that's what happened when we were <laughs> both interviewed for the Global Homeschooling Summit in 2019. Yeah, it was,
1: it was terrible. You got two videos of the exact same thing.
0: <laughs> yes, because I had my interview first, and then you and Sophie were interviewed, and we didn't know what each other's responses were. Were we? And then when I went to look at them, watch the videos, I thought, oh, what do they say? Something different to what I said. Or
1: oh, We even use the same wording. It was terrible
0: <laughs> well that could be looked at as um i forced my opinions on you or you you decided that uh we all agreed <laughs> but anyway it was really good now shall have we said enough about that because i've really felt strongly about that oh thought there was one more thing i wanted to say because it, it was related to distractions and in the workplace if, if uh, an employee isn't happy and they're on their computer, for example, it's just an example, depending on what sort of work people do, it is uncomfortable to work in a place where you've got high expectations, no feed, positive feedback, and no control. So that is a very uncomfortable feeling to deal with. So what a lot of employees will do is try to distract them from it, from that feeling by going and looking for distractions. They might get on their computer and surf the internet I'll check into Facebook, have a look, that sort of thing. Yes. And do children also need distractions from their life? And I've heard that sometimes children like to turn to things like video games because they can be in control of those worlds and yes. they are not in control of their own lives, are they? Yes. And so that's a really big uh, attraction. Of the internet and computer games in particular.
1: But also things like social media and all that sort of thing because it's a distraction and it's someplace where they've got control over, you know, what they do, their actions, what they're doing, how they're being portrayed, you know, all that sort of thing. And it's a distraction from the other, you know, problems or stresses in their life.
0: But the only problem with that is parent is going to get concerned about the
1: amount of screen time next (laughs) yes
0: you can only control it you can you can't go on Facebook but you can play a game but you can only have 20 minutes or half an hour and that gets to be a little bit frustrating but that's we were talking about well um, do kids who have had unlimited access to such things as computer games do they actually have Uh, a less attraction to it than kids who have suddenly find themselves uh, able to use computers and go on the internet and video games because they've never because they suddenly are able to have that access they go wild
1: well speaking as a person who's always had access to these things um so I grew up playing computer games and video games we owned um, we've owned every single PlayStation console except the PlayStation Three, and you know we had a library of games. We still actively play games and such. Always had un- pretty much unrestricted access to the internet, other than and. Other than the limitations of literally how many people can be on a device at once, because I mean I'm 26. We used to have one family computer in the in the study, and if the phone rang, you were off the internet. So that's I'm I'm that age. But that and, was and it was it was you can play for half an hour because there are five people who want to use this computer <laughs> and they all want to have their half an hour of game time. So that's pretty much the restrictions we had.
0: But that wasn't uh, my choice to no, have this one.
1: No, this is this is um these are limitations based upon you know just the sheer factor of the number of people trying to use this and, you know, trying to be respectful of everyone's time. So as a person who's grown up with pretty much unrestricted access to games and the internet and social media and such, I find they don't have such a hold on me. And when they do, there's a reason for it. Um, So like, I love playing games but I'm not the sort of person who who binge plays games a lot. I I'll be very interested in a game for maybe 3 or 4 days. I'll play that in my spare time and then it'll be weeks before I play it again, but I still love my games. And I've always got games, you know, on tap. I I own a Nintendo Switch that I could take away and play and nobody would know what I'm doing. But it sits in its cradle waiting for me. I've got the PlayStation 4. I can play games on my computer. But that's not what I'm doing with my time because I always know it's there. I know if I want to, I can go and play this. And I've got so many things I could play. And when when I'm in the mood, I can play it. And things like social media, nobody's policing my use of that. Oh,
0: it wouldn't at your age, but nobody no, but like, has. Nobody
1: has. And that's the thing is like nobody has. So I've always had my own, been able to set my own boundaries on it, which means that nowadays I'm very aware of my social media use now. Um, usually it doesn't have a hold over me. And if And if for some reason it does, there's a reason for it rather than just, you know, I'm addicted to social media, it's always a distraction from something else. Yes. Because that's actually something I've been thinking about a lot more recently because um, I've, ha- I've had, you know, a few struggles with certain things um, on and off and the more I'm struggling with other things, the, the more difficult it is to focus on the work I want to do, which is where, you know, four hours of scrolling Instagram goes to. So do you think,
0: like, for example, if you're not feeling um... – Happy, say, go back to that period where you're at the cafe and being overworked, then you haven't got the energy or anything to focus on your writing but it's a good distraction maybe to go and play games for a while to get escape from that and to get regain some control over your own time yeah
1: and just and just and just because it's also an easy barrier and sometimes you know it's easier to do this thing than to do the other thing and if you're not happy you're going to take the path of least resistance you're not going to do you know four hours of, of, of hard work on something, you're going to sit down and play your game for a while because you don't have the capacity to deal with that. And these things are easier to turn to because of some other problem.
0: Yes, which doesn't mean to say that it's not good to have easy, relaxing times and you get a lot out of video games. It, they're not just a waste of time. But oh, if you're o- overuse, when
1: you're it's when you overusing it, that's when you're like, okay, what's the root of this, What's making me want to do this? Like... It's, it's for some people it's just what they get value out of it's it's their relaxation time and for some people it's almost like a self medication you know I've got a problem and this is how I'm solving it this is how I'm making myself feel better yes and that can happen to kids as well you reckon yeah and honestly if if you're like if you're having open conversations about things and you know you're fostering a better relationship with this sort of stuff it's easier for people to learn how to control and regulate themselves rather than you placing boundaries on it
0: yes i think there's that's what sometimes we forget well we haven't had the problem but uh we can talk to kids we can discuss things we can share our own uh struggles and what we've learned that we don't necessarily we don't in any way have to control uh, our kids do we no it can be a dialogue it can be a sharing it can be showing empathy for a hard situation yeah uh yes and I think that sometimes we miss that bit out. We just go straight from, oh, there's a problem. I'm going to
1: control it. Yeah, I can fix this. You stop doing that behavior. Okay, now it's fixed. <laughs> exactly. It's like, that's not as easy as that. There's always a reason. And you've got, you've got to be connected in so you know what that reason is. Because so sometimes even like the children don't understand the reason, but... You can talk about it. Exactly. You can figure out, is there something else happening?
0: But also that's the quick fix, but it's not really the easy fix because then you've got to police that and you've got to uh, deal with unhappy kids. It's much better to spend the time connecting and talking. Yes. And working it out than it is to just take over control. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now I want to move on here to something we've been watching <laughs> and which is Connected which it doesn't sound like it's connected. We find connections everywhere, don't we? Yep.
1: Hold on. There is a connection here, but also we just like this.
0: Well, very exciting last week. (laughs) The 2021 Australian uh, season of MasterChef started, didn't it? We become rather... um, hooked on this I won't say addicted because that's a terrible word for unschoolers to use but
1: it's something that we enjoy sitting down and watching together as a family and it's been something it was a huge part of our lives last year I think when they were airing the previous season live and we were watching that and you know as the lockdowns were happening and the pandemic was happening it's like okay but we still got MasterChef <laughs> okay doesn't matter how bad it is that they are going to come home we're going to watch MasterChef in the evening and we're going to forget things are happening and that was it was great.
0: And it, was, it was our it was our pandemic thing, wasn't it? Yes. And you know, I really hoped by the time we got to the 2021 season that life would be back to normal. And a part of me is still very sad when we watch MasterChef to see everybody elbow bumping and doing social distancing on, on on screen. Yes, and
1: there's no hugging when somebody's eliminated or whatever. It's um. It's still. Very visible um, COVID restrictions, certainly on TV.
0: So it just uh, emphasises the fact that even though life does feel a bit more normal, it's not normal. It's
1: not. It's not back to what it was two seasons ago yet.
0: <laughs> and it's been lasting a long time. Yes, over a year now that we sort of, when we were watching uh, MasterChef last year, we sort of said, "Oh, look, that was winter, wasn't it?" And we thought maybe by the spring things will be back to normal. and yes. we said maybe by Christmas and then maybe by the new year. Maybe
1: by Easter. Okay, Easter's come and gone. It's not quite there yet. Like, it's better. It's much better, but it's not there yet.
0: No, things here are pretty good, but it's not normal. So I'm not going to complain about COVID <laughs> because I do know that the life we're living here in Australia is of oh, thousand percent better than in other parts of the world.
1: Absolutely. We're very lucky for what we've got. It's just, I think... I think everybody wants to go back to what it was pre-COVID and, you know, the, e- even when you're taking steps, you're always sitting there going, this is, this is great, I appreciate it, but I can't wait for it to be normal.
0: So we've been gathering after dinner, haven't we, and watching MasterChef and then we watched the, uh, watch it on Catch um, Up
1: yes because nobody's got time to be there for seven thirty in the evening like seven thirty till night that's a, that's a very specific window to get all these people together
0: no we like to be in control of our time but we also we're in control of the ads aren't we because what happens every time an ad comes on
1: ah <laughs> uh, we mute that tv we mute. <laughs> because nobody wants to listen to
0: six ads about things we're not interested in but we've made a game out of it haven't we we turn the ads off at the sound and then we try and guess what the ad's about and sometimes it's very difficult.
1: I think my favorite guessing game, maybe it's my favorite because I, I had this one spot on, was when was a McDonald's ad that was using uh, McDonald's uh, was um, combining McDonald's and a pregnancy announcement. And it was also do with pickles. And I'm like, no, it's. I was like, no, this is not a pregnancy announcement. I'm like, it's a pregnancy announcement. She's got pickle cravings because she's pregnant. And you know what? I was right. <laughs> but it was just so bizarre. Like you're watching this, and you know, you go to McDonald's and they're having a conversation about pickles. And then one day, this lady comes around with a, just a soft serve ice cream with a pickle in it. It's like, this is just
0: weird, man. So you guessed that one. But the one that we were watching last night, which I mean, it's probably worth a mention is that they were the baby one you remember they were doing all these things with the baby and the baby is so cute and then they get into bed the mother and the father and they just go into sleep and then the baby wakes up and they get out of bed and they go to find uh this dropper this bottle and it says, "What does it say on ch- uh, ch- Baby and children's sleep, and they get the dropper, and they sit there and they feed it to the baby, and the baby's the baby's
1: night is wiped out to sleep time, and the
0: baby goes to sleep, and they go back to bed." And I thought, "That can't
1: be the right uh, story behind this. That's terrible. Like, this is not the product. Surely we're not drugging our kids for a good night's sleep, are we? Oh, oh yes, we are." I just could not believe that ad that, yeah, they were uh, pushing, drugging
0: your kids. I don't know what was in those drops.
1: <laughs> but it's just like sleeping pills for kids. Like, Are you sure we're at the point that you need sleeping pills for kids?
0: It's probably a herbal thing. Yeah. But, but just with the sound off, it just really looked like parents just want their kids to go to sleep and they'll give them some sleeping drops. But anyway, I didn't like that one. But anyway, that's not what we were going to talk about.
1: <laughs> Although it is, it is a very fun part of watching MasterChef. It's it is. It's integral part of the watching experience.
0: Otherwise, the ads could get rather intrusive, couldn't they? Yes. And we get frustrated watching the same old ads. <laughs> but yes, we all make up our own. We talk about all the ads and we all have a theory about what the ad's about. Um, yes. What I wanted to talk about, Imogen, ah, expect- was high expectation con- and so it's control. All connected. <laughs> all right. So the contestants for 2021, and it's very similar for every single season, isn't it? There's yes. always a high percentage of what?
1: There's always a high percentage of people um, who are looking to change certain careers. So this is particularly people in law and people in medical fields. So in this particular season, we've got a law graduate and two medical students, a lawyer, and I think a doctor. So this is five out of 24 people in these particular fields who are all looking to change their careers. And it's been pretty much the same across every season. They're all, they've all got these, they're either studying these, um, these particular areas or they're working in these fields and they hate what they're doing and they want, and they'd like to do something else. And which, is which? for a start, is very sad because you really want your doctors to be happy with being doctors. You know, you want your lawyer to be working because they like law rather than, oh, I have to do this because it's good money or because of my family.
0: And a lot of them, like, there's one in particular that I'm thinking of who's just finished their degree. And instead of looking forward to practicing as whatever it is, a doctor or a lawyer.
1: A lawyer, I think. Wasn't he a law graduate?
0: Might be. But uh, I get my stories well. So I was trying not to, tell, to say too many details so I didn't have to make my mind up about the story. But
1: uh, This is how we're remembering it. It may not be correct, but these are the details that we do remember.
0: Well, in a vague kind of way. They're, they're just setting out on their career and they don't want to do it. Yes. They spent five years or whatever studying and all of a sudden they think, no, this is not what I want to do. I want to go and be a chef. And uh, this, this, what makes me think is, what has happened is that all these people are highly intelligent, so they've school advisors and parents have said look you could be a lawyer you could be a doctor and they get the the highest marks of everybody yes. and they're pushed along that pathway into those careers and it's not really what they want to do
1: and actually it's something we've heard in a lot of contestant interviews um especially as you go deeper into the season then they start to dig into you know these people and why they want to be a master chef and why they want to change their careers and such and you get some of the most brilliant people and they say well I'm doing this, but I'm only. But I'm doing it because my family wanted me to do it, and I got this degree because they wanted me to do it. But I'm really unhappy doing this, and I want to do something that I love doing, which is cooking. And it's it's a surprising number of people in these, especially these particular fields, um, who are unhappy being there because they're only there because someone else pushed them to be there and they're just straight out on camera it's like and some of them will just break down and cry and they're like my family wanted me to do this like this was that's the only reason I do this but I really want to be a cook this means a lot to me and it's like this is where those high expectations and and controlling your kids lives and futures leads them just to that amount of unhappiness that they're crying on national tv and then
0: it means if they get eliminated, it's almost like their dream has been crushed and they're going to have to go back to what they were expected to do. So it really means a lot to them. Yes. And they say, "Does this? what does this mean to you? And they say, it means everything to me, this yes. competition, because they see it as an escape from that
1: uh, like expected their, pathway. It's like this is their one chance, and thankfully it's not. And it's actually very good to look up former contestants and to see that being on MasterChef, even without winning, has, um, you know, most MasterChef contestants get a lot get a lot of opportunities to go and get work experience and intern with people, and uh, they get lots of job opportunities from uh, chefs and businesses connected with the whole show. So even if they don't win, it's not their chance of a new life. Um, you know, disappeared. They don't have to go back. There's a, there is a there is thankfully a path forward. MasterChef is actually supporting them, but it's just so. It's it's. You just see them, and they're and they're so passionate, and they think this is the, this is their one chance to get away from this thing and do this and do what they wanted to do. And it's like, oh, you know, I really, I I really feel for you.
0: Yes, you want them all to win, don't you? <laughs> right, I'm going to leave that topic. We're going to move on because we haven't got that much time, and I've still got a whole <laughs> half a page here of stuff. Right, we went to Sydney yesterday, didn't we? We did. Right. And why do we go to Sydney? This is just family news a little bit and we'll yep. lead into something else.
1: Because, because we always have to share a little bit of personal news. Uh, so we went up to Sydney yesterday because lucky me have broken yet another laptop keyboard. I have a habit of doing this.
0: You write too many words. <laughs> my,
1: my poor laptop doesn't know what to do with it. I think I I think I literally wrote nearly two and a half million words last year on this one laptop. And that could be contributing to why it is now dead.
0: So you didn't actually um, admit that when you took it, your computer back to be repaired?
1: I told them that it got some hard work. I didn't tell them how much. So it's not a lie. It's an omission.
0: So we got the train or trains because we have to go on multiple trains from here.
1: Yes. Yeah, so we had to go all the way up to the Apple store. Because I have a MacBook and they only fix them in store.
0: So we took a trip in just you and me, didn't we? Yes. Um, is that you and me or you and I? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you and I, I think, in this in this particular case. Because if you take out the you, then I took a trip. That's not, right. Not me took a trip.
0: You and I <laughs> got on a couple of trains and we went up to Sydney on a nearly deserted train because people are still not back on the trains after COVID which was lovely for us. (laughs) And we were allowed to sit together because we're family. And we went all the way up to Sydney and visited the Apple store and it was the first time I've ever been there and oh wow. I really enjoyed going into the Apple store. Um it's a glass building, isn't it?
1: Yes, the whole front is glass, the staircase inside is glass, the balconies are glass, it's like anything they could make out of glass is glass. It just it looks like it's made by Apple. It's like you've got you've got your iPad, your MacBook, your iPhone, your Apple store. It's just it's just part of their suite. But yeah, all that technology. All, was there three levels? Yeah, three levels. It's, it's, you know, they're selling things on every level. They've got education areas. They've got a repair section. So, like, and there's so many employees that they just want to talk to you about Apple products.
0: And didn't we had a great conversation, <laughs> didn't we? Because you got you put your um, MacBook in. They took that away yes, from you,
1: which which is lovely and easy. Thankfully, they were very nice about it. It was just okay. Here's your thing. What's your problem? Sign the thing, which should be done within two or three days. Thankfully.
0: But on the way out, we stopped and had a look at Apple Pencils, didn't we? Because you've lost yours.
1: Yes, unfortunately.
0: And you you replaced it. You bought one while we were there.
1: But while we were there, we... We started
0: talking to one of the employees about all the future developments, all the current developments in Apple products. And afterwards, we were talking about how we... We we weren't long in Sydney. We were only there an hour and a half. We because it's a long journey there and back. But we spent most of it talking to somebody in the Apple store (laughs) about Apple products. But what we the enjoyable bit about it was. He
1: had a passion for it and we had a passion. He wasn't trying to sell us something. Like if I hadn't bought that Apple Pencil, I swear he would have been just as happy to talk to us for just as long. He just wanted to show us, you know, this iPad and like talk about this new development and tell us about, you know, this keyboard and like why, you know, give us some advice on if if we ever wanted to upgrade, what would be the better way to do it? And it was, you know iPhone photography, he teaches there. He just wanted to tell us everything. It was fantastic.
0: But we kept sharing back, didn't we? (laughs) We knew things he didn't know, like photography and stuff. And um, it was just three people with a passion who were enjoying a conversation. And so... Yeah, we spent most of our time in the Apple store.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were going to go to a bookstore, but we went to the Apple store.
0: Well, we, we popped in briefly to the bookstore, but we, uh, we well, the bit we missed was the cafe. We were going to have coffee together, <laughs> and we we redid ourselves out of coffee because... We got too
1: enthusiastic.
0: <laughs> and we ended up back on the train, didn't we?
1: Oh, but, we have no coffee yet. But we
0: have to go again to pick up your laptop when it's um, fixed. So we're going to go up earlier just in case we get stuck in the apple store again <laughs> and we're going to do a few things in sydney while we're there but so that was sydney but on the way back on the one of the trains where she planned this podcast didn't we we did we, i said to imogen um oh podcast because we were supposed to record this yesterday but yes. we we <laughs> were in sydney i said what are we going to talk about so i got my phone out and started making notes and you told me about a book that you have just read and reviewed. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yes. And actually, you know what? This is like the first book I finished in maybe a month and a half. So (laughs) I did very well at the beginning of the year. And then I hit about March and read nothing.
0: Okay. Tell me about the book. Who's it by?
1: So it's called Dear Hero. And it's by two authors. So Hope Bollinger and Alyssa Roat. Um, And it's a superhero book. But it's told through the medium of chat messages. So I think instant messenger, um, that sort of chat. And like it was an interesting idea. I've always been very interested in other ways of telling stories. Like my favourite um, book series is The Illuminati Files, which by Jay Kristoff and Amy Kaufman. And that is told through just a variety of different mediums. So it's like transcribed security feed, uh, someone's military records, there's pictures in there, you know, there's all this stuff, but none of it is your traditional narrative. It's not a book like you would, like most other books you'd pick off the shelf. So I was like, oh, a chat fiction, that sounds interesting, but also like it could be very constricting in a lot of ways because how do, you, how do you get past the fact that these people are writing messages the whole time? How do you bring yourself into the action? Um, and it was... So the, do you think it's sort of like when people write letters to each other
0: because you get a number of novels that are based on letters between people. Do you think they have the same sort of problems?
1: I think so because... And and I think the way letters get away with it is in books is the fact that they're longer ah. and, and you can break into that sort of narrative fiction. So you can be like, so I did this and this and then all of a sudden you're inside the scene and this person's writing out the scene, but it's a scene. It's not a letter, really. Nobody writes a letter like that. But these are chat messages between teenagers and it's, aside from the fact that, It's not written in, like, text language or anything because that's very difficult to read for a long period of time. That would
0: limit the audience.
1: That would. Like, I I enjoy reading young adult fiction, even though I'm not a a young adult in that sense anymore. But I would very much struggle to read a book written entirely in text lingo and abbreviations and all this slang and such. So it's written in proper English, but it's chat messages. Um, and it's it's done. It's um framed through this site called Meta Match, where heroes and villains match up. It's like Tinder for, for for superheroes, and you meet up, and you've got yourself a new nemesis, and you can go out and fight your hero. And it's just it doesn't automatically You don't automatically look at it and think this is going to be a great way to tell the story, but it's actually it's it's really snappy. Like it's it's like having lots of dialogue. It's like quite fast paced, but and you can you know you. It's broken into different chat threads, and sometimes someone messages a person, just like you absolutely would. I keep doing that to people. It's terrible. <laughs> I keep texting my boss instead of instead of organising to pick someone up from work. <laughs> but you know, it's got all the same tropes. Uh, it's got everything that you know about Messenger, but it's a story. It's a full book, and it works surprisingly well. um And you know, I've never seen anyone else try this out before. I'm sure. I'm sure a couple of other people have probably tried it because it's very hard to be the first to do anything but when you read something like that and it actually works out really well you look at it and go well like this you know there are other ways of telling a story than what we're used to doing if this works what other ways of storytelling are there like the Illuminati Files have tried something you get you your poetry novels um not which are not something that I've tried reading personally but I'd be interested to give one a go I'm not into poetry very much but you know anything for an experiment
0: I'm interested in different ways of telling stories too it fascinates me but yes there seems to be more ways to paint a picture than there are to tell a story
1: yes it's like anytime I think you and I were talking about this on the train yesterday um it's like you can do it. You, you can do art of anything. You can go outside and see, uh, you know, a piece of grass sticking out of a sticking out of the pavement, and go. This could be a picture. This could be a reference for something. You know, this could be a greeting card. This could be black and white. This could be a scientific journal. You could do so many different things. That could be abstract. You look at a piece of grass sitting in a in a crack in a pavement. It's okay. Okay, I'm a novelist. That's a nice piece of grass. Let's move on. I don't know what to oh, do. Oh,
0: but this. that's the challenge. <laughs> it could be the start of uh, something if you. Uh, So I like thinking about things like that. How would I use that? Yeah, but it doesn't come to me as easily as, uh, like, I can imagine a a hundred pictures, ways of doing the art, except I'm not artistic so that when I try and do it, I get disappointed. I've got more talent writing. But, yeah, sometimes um, inspiration, though uh, there must be a load of different ways that we're not thinking about, and you can get inspiration from anything for a story.
1: I, but I think I think a lot of what that turns into then, if you're gonna if you're gonna write in that way and use those sorts of things, becomes literary fiction, which is a lot more about you know th- you know thinking on things like musing on topics, um, in often in fiction and such. But it's got a message or or it's like very conceptual rather than straight fiction. Because I'm I don't write literary fiction. I'm not. I don't think I'm smart enough to write literary fiction honestly like I'm I, I think I'm a smart person but not in that way it's like it takes a very st- particular type of writing to do literary fiction which is where you could take that piece of grass and muse on that and put out some bigger meaning or turn it into some into the start of a, of a big story or something but for for regular fiction it's a lot harder to do that and I think To get the same sort of effect as you do in art, you really have to to look at like poetry or something because it's so much more of like painting an image with your words and like pulling out something else from that and portraying that in so many different ways. Whereas, you know, it's hard to put a piece of a piece of grass on the pavement into a blog post or into a genre fiction book or, you know, something like that.
0: Perhaps we're starting with the wrong inspiration. You wouldn't go looking for a piece of gra- grass to start a story, but then you could go to any sort of blog or website and get inspiration for writing. It doesn't have to be a writing one, does it? Yes. You could start with... um I don't know, somebody's website to sell something or somebody's explorer, an explorer's website or something, photography or
1: something scientific, a, a news article, anything there can be that sort of thing. You're right, maybe maybe we're just looking in the wrong places for, for that particular kind of inspiration. Maybe we need to stumble upon it somewhere else.
0: The other thing I, was, I really love is combining different ideas. For example, when I was writing my books, I combined a bit of fiction with the non-fiction, so I'm telling real stories, but I brought in a fictional character, my Amina. Have you heard about my Amina stories? Oh, yes. (laughs) And Amina is my pretend friend, and I find she's useful because I can use her to tell stories which I don't want to... Uh, show a my stories or somebody close to me or a friend I know or something else is anonymous they're her stories Amina
1: is a stand-in for something she's like she's like a vehicle you can tell a true story through without having to say a true person or frame it in a way that's going to make that's not as complicated yeah so it sounds
0: like uh one any of the other stories in the book doesn't sound like a fiction story but it's a fictional character yes. involved and the other thing was I had a bit of fun I've had done this a few times is pretending that somebody's interviewing me or, or um, oh, you know the, something's happening in my life to uh, illustrate a few points putting myself in a fictional situation Yes. and that's always fun too because then you can let your imagination go wild <laughs> and I'm part of a story but the message I'm saying is real yes. But I've taken over that bit, Imogen. Did you want to say <laughs> anything else about
1: Dear Hero? Um. Oh. Not about the actual reading of the book. Um. But actually, the way I the way I stumbled upon this book was interesting because one of the authors messaged me on Instagram. Um. This was the same time I was actually asking for beta readers for my upcoming novel. Um. And she was like. Hi, we're doing um, a cover reveal for the sequel to Dear Hero, which is Dear Henchman, and it's like how oh, we're doing this cover reveal. Would you be interested in being part of it? And I've been part of a cover reveal before; it's pretty easy. I was like, and I was like, so I went and checked out their first books. I'm like, well, if this is the sort of book that you know I think I would read, then I'll then I'm happy to endorse it. You know, it'll be like this is the cover reveal for this thing, but I don't want to be revealing the cover for a series that I wouldn't personally read because you know i like to I like to know what i'm recommending to people and so that was how i discovered this book even existed um, but as part of being part of this cover reveal they sent us all a link to where we could download a review copy of it um so i actually i was i was i was very lucky to be able to read it for free as long as i wrote a review on goodreads or amazon and i did a goodreads review i also posted it on my blog because i was like well you know do post it in another in another place I'd like to support these people because they were they were lovely and I, I can also get a review copy of Dear Henchman if I feel like reviewing it but it was firstly it's like when you reach out to to strangers and ask them to do things it's like uh, uh, it's surprising how many strangers will say yes and like you you ask for help it's like I need I you know I'm trying to do a cover reveal I need some help would you be interested um, you know, as long as you're picking out someone who does this sort of thing and who reads in that genre, it's like it's surprising how many people will agree to help you.
0: And which I think is a great lesson for you.
1: Because <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: Well, I suppose for me as well is that we are hesitant to reach out to people thinking, oh, look, that person will feel uh, put upon if we ask them to do this. How uh, we don't want to give other people things to do. They might not want to do it. And you talk yourself out of it.
1: It's even like um, asking for beta readers because – um, I always sort of struggle with asking people to do that because I want the feedback, but at the same time, like, this is a big commitment. And I'm asking people to do this for free. Like I'm asking them to give up a lot of their time for free. Like I've, I can't pay a beta reader to look at this book for me. Um, you know, I'd budget for an editor if I absolutely needed one, but I couldn't pay, you know, six to 10 people to beta read a book for me. So anyone who does is giving up hours of their time out of the goodness of their heart. It's very hard to ask for that. And then sometimes you're like, oh, maybe I won't ask because people won't be interested. Like I've never, I've never done a cover reveal for one of my books. And part of that's because I'm never organized enough. So I was like, okay, the cover's ready. I'll just, I'm just going to post this now. I haven't got time to sort that out, but I think people are more willing to help than, than I, than I always think they will. People are more interested can I jump ahead? I want to
0: jump over something because it sort of seems to me that another thing that we want to talk about fits in very well with that. And that is that we help each other, that when you're in a field, uh, whether you're an author, whether you're a blogger, whether you're a podcaster, when people help each other, we can all benefit, can't we? Yes, and we all know what it's like to need some help and we can all make a difference to each other's work. We don't have to look at everybody as competition. If I help this person, yes. my book won't get read. If I help this podcaster, my podcast yeah. won't get listened to. There's enough
1: success out there for everybody.
0: That's right. We have to put that aside and say, yes, I will help you. And very, just very briefly, because we were talking about this book last week, Show Your Work by Austin Cleon um there was another section in that book that I read after our podcast well no no I think it was earlier but we didn't talk about it teach what you know share your trade secrets yeah that was one of the earlier points of how to get your work out there and sometimes we're so concerned about getting our own work out there that we don't look at anybody else's or we don't want anything to do with it because as I said it could be competition but uh if we're generous with our time and our efforts. And if we're willing to help other people, people are willing to help us, aren't yes. they? And I want to just talk about, very quickly about how this is happening within our community. A couple of people want to start Unschooling Podcasts. And really, that's my thing, isn't it? Well, look what we're doing. We're doing unschooling podcasts. And, you know, I really want to help these people set up their podcasts. And it's a real pleasure. I'm getting excited about it, about sharing what I know, passing on the skills I know to these people so they can have successful podcasts as well. And do you think these podcasts are going to be more successful than this one, Imogen?
1: Who knows, maybe, but but it doesn't really matter because there's enough success for everybody. There's enough people listening to podcasts. And you know, if you if you're all sharing, supporting each other, then there's the, then you then you can all be successful together.
0: Exactly, and in a way, if uh, if they overtake me and their podcasts are more successful, that that doesn't bother me because what are we all doing? We're all trying to share the message of unschooling. Yes, it's and
1: not it's not really about you; it's about what you're doing.
0: Exactly, and the more people talking about it, the more people will hear about it. Yes and one day I'm not going to be doing this, am I? I'm going to be moving on.
1: Yes, I I assume we're not podcasting for the end of eternity.
0: Well, we might be, but not at all. Maybe our bad unschooling. Mm. And so it's good to have other people
1: who are coming along and you can pass it on to them. Yes, and someone else can take take up the torch for a while.
0: That's right. So I... I've been talking to one person in the community in particular, Leslie, who's going to do a Christian unschooling podcast, and I think she's going to call it, I shouldn't say what it is because I'll get it wrong, um, Stories of Christian Unschoolers, I think. And we're going to start the podcast off with an interview between me and her. She wants to interview me, how we got into unschooling. And I only heard about that this morning, about Leslie's request, that you know, suggestion, I suppose, that the first interv- the first episode will be an interview because she's going to interview all these um, Christian unschooling families. She's got a, we've already got a list of people. But for the very first one, I get the honor of being interviewed. So that's really exciting. And then there's another one Uh, A couple of other friends want to set up a Catholic unschooling podcast and have asked me to be involved in that. So that's two things that might be very exciting in the future, Emma-Jan.
1: Jen. is, and it's lovely to see. Does Leslie listen to to our podcast? She she does. In which case, good luck, Leslie. I hope it goes really well. (laughs) (laughs) I hope everybody supports Leslie because if you like this podcast, I'm sure you're going to like Leslie's.
0: Well, I think that's one thing. We can promote these podcasts on this podcast, and maybe they'll give us a return uh mention in theirs we can all help each other can't we we can because sometimes you can't get enough of what you're interested in and the different aspects
1: yes and after and after all we only we only release one podcast episode every every week to two weeks so what are you going to do with the other six days of the week you've got to have another couple of podcasts in there to fill up the time while you're waiting we're not the only ones
0: (laughs) anyway well, I've done that bit at the end there, Imagine. I'm looking at my thing. We've got one more thing to talk about. Oh, we've hardly got any time. So, ads, ads. yes, quick, quick. Where can we find you on the internet? When we come back, don't go away because we've got one more thing we want to talk about, which is quite exciting. Well, exciting for me, <laughs> um, and I'm sure everybody um, they want to hear about it, don't they?
1: Absolutely. So, shall we do some ads first? Yes, yeah, So, just briefly, we'll let you know where we where you can find us. So, you can find me on Instagram at Write Rewrite Read. And on my website, again, Write, Rewrite, Read. Which
0: is that? Which is at
1: ImogenElvis.com. And then you can find me on Amazon and Goodreads. I have three books out at the moment. So I have my young adult fantasy duology of The Crystal Tree and The Shattering Song. And then my the start of my new series, which is a young adult um, sci fi called Frost Hands.
0: Right. And I am on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, which everybody knows. In our unschooling community, Stories of an Unschooling Family, Instagram, Sue Elvis, YouTube, Sue Elvis, and on Amazon. Sue Elvis. I suppose that's me, isn't it? Our books. Um, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love are my unschooling books, and I've got a couple of Catholic angel
1: so The Angels of Abbey Creek and what's your second one called?
0: Oh, Angels of Gumtree Road yes. and soon-to-be Angels of Wallaby Way. So I wrote those for my my Catholic goddaughter, but um, surprisingly, other people like reading them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good.
1: And if you have seen any of our stuff, or if you've read in any of our books... Or even if even if you just like this podcast, please leave us some feedback or a, or a review or something because it does mean a lot. And as you and as you can see by the start of this podcast, we are looking at our feedback and we are trying to you know take more notice and thank people who are supporting us because it means a lot.
0: Maybe we'll get brave and have to go over to Amazon
1: <laughs> just check, you know. So if you want to leave us a slight little Amazon review over there, five stars, please. <laughs> then we've then we might be persuaded to go over and have it and have a look.
0: <laughs> so so it's, look with one eye, look for all the. Five stars and try not to look at anything <laughs> else. Anyway, we got one more thing to talk about, Imogen, and we've nearly run out of time yet again.
1: Always happens. So, I believe you're involved in something important coming up.
0: Well, something exciting. I got asked an invitation to talk at the International Catholic Homeschool Conference.
1: That sounds important.
0: Yes, another uh, unschooler. Tina, she's also talking, but we're the first two unschoolers that have been invited to speak at the Catholic Homeschool Conference. Well,
1: it's quite an honour, honestly. We're the first people in your kind.
0: That's right. So we want to make a bit of an impression. Yeah, so to give people an alternate, or is it alternative? We discussed that yesterday.
1: <laughs> and we did not come up with a, with a conclusive answer.
0: <laughs> Another, a different a view on homeschooling, because there'll be representatives there from a classical way of doing things, Charlotte Mason, school at home, all those sort of things. But they've never had any speakers talking about unschooling. And we want to show that it is something that Catholics can do, and it fits in well with our faith. And not only that, but it's something really beautiful, a beautiful way of life. And, yeah, I got really excited when I got asked to do it. Oh, half of me thought, "Oh no, I gotta sit down and do a video, and <laughs> what will I say?" And I've done my video. I've sent it off. I haven't got any feedback yet, so I hope it's going to be approved. But once I got started talking, you know what it's like, you can't I only had twenty minutes. Can can't you stop you? <laughs> can you believe that I,
1: I I can't believe you fit it into twenty minutes. We're sitting here at nearly an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> do
0: you know what I did? uh when i my final video i did a uh i did a couple of takes um i did a load of introductions that didn't go anywhere
1: introductions are hard though it's like once you get past the introduction usually you can get into a flow but starting off is so difficult
0: vlogs i do in one take i sit down i start talking finished that's it no problem whatsoever but because this was being i had to send it to somebody oh that just felt different And I did about a million uh, introductions before I got into my stride. And then I ended up with just two takes. And I can't remember why I did the second take on. But anyway, the first take was about 16 minutes and the second take was 22 minutes. (laughs) And I had um, 15 to 20 minutes. That was my time limit. So what did I do? Do you know what I did? What did you do? I took my video to a video editing program and I changed the time. I compressed it into 20 minutes instead of 22 minutes and so many seconds. (laughs) And, you know, you can't tell the difference. (laughs) I speak it slightly quicker, but over that period of time, you can't tell. I'm not gabbling. Yeah. So it's exactly 20 minutes long. And I just now have to wait to feedback. But anyway, all I want to say about that is that that Catholic Homeschool Conference, you can sign up now. And I didn't write down the dates. Oh, it's end of May probably the last week of May but I will put that in the show notes if you're interested in watching those videos you can sign up for free and I think for about three days you can access all the speakers talks for free and then afterwards if you want to have uh, continued access you can buy a pass does
1: that sound right sounds right and where and do they, what sort of website do they have where they can sign this up? What's it called?
0: Oh, don't ask me that. I didn't so write they, it down.
1: So if they just look up the International Catholic Homeschooling Conference, will they find it that they way? They
0: will, because I found it that way. Um, but I will put a link in the show notes. That makes it easy, doesn't it?
1: It does. But yes, Catholic
0: Homeschool Conference 2021, if you put that into Google, you'll find it. Easy.
1: Oh, that's it, isn't it? Is there anything else, Imogen? I think we've just about managed to cover everything, which is good because we are pretty much at the upper limit of time again. <laughs>
0: Do you know what? I thought, didn't think we'd get inside one hour and twenty minutes. Of, when I looked at the clock about twenty minutes ago, I thought, no, this is gonna be two hours. But <laughs>
1: well, we we got we got our minds on something and just didn't stop. So hopefully, we've still got some people still listening by the end of this.
0: I did sort of rush the last bit, thinking we're running out of time. <laughs> like, go 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 go! <laughs> I could have made a fitter story out of something there, but nope.
1: Not what with concise de-
0: With concise details. <laughs> so that's about it, Imogen um we'll meet again in a couple of weeks hey
1: Yep, we'll see whether there's been a solo episode in between but if not we'll definitely be back in two weeks
0: and next week um oh we've got a few things on uh we're having our zoom discussion for our community in two days time we're talking about younger unschoolers within the unschooling community if anybody's interested in that so that's – and then next week I think I'm getting together with Leslie to do the episode one of her new podcast.
1: So that's a lot That's a lot to um, look forward to. It is. And before we finish, would you like to plug your community again and particularly the members, the um, donators group? Oh, yeah, you're, like,
0: you're really good. <laughs> yes, within our community we have a, a premium group, Unschool Plus – for anybody who donates towards the community, who wants to see the community stay online and cover the costs of hosting and all the other associated costs such as our Zoom call subscription, all that sort of thing.
1: And podcast hosting and equipment and all and like software and everything that it takes to keep all of these things up and running. So that's where the donations go. And I believe the donations for the group are any amount of money that you can can afford. It's no set amount.
0: No, it's not. So if anybody values what we do and would like to be part of the community and would like to see the community continue and all the other things that I do, please consider making a donation. And in return, I... We'll invite you to our premium group, Unschool Plus, and that is um, full of extras.
1: So there, are extra, so there are extra conversations. There are extra. I believe there are extra Zoom calls. Yes. Um, there are. So I believe you have a feature for unschool challenges, which is like unschooling in everyday life. And there are extras of those. There are downloadables, There's- ebooks. So there's a whole lot of extra Audio, stuff in
0: there. Audio book of my Curious Unschoolers book. I'm putting in quite a bit. I'm trying, working really hard on that.
1: And and also if you want to connect with the most um, passionate and friendly and sort of involved group of unschoolers, you definitely want to be in Unschool Plus because these are the people who are on all the time and who are just the the loveliest people. So that's the community you want to be part of. That's You, you want to be in that group. It's a lovely group of people, yes.
0: Thank you, Emma Jen. <laughs> so, I guess that's it. We'll meet in two weeks' time. And we just need, is there anything else? We can say something? No, I was
1: going to say that was a, that's pretty much it from us, I think. so.
0: Uh, yes, meet in two weeks' time. We must thank everybody for listening. And again, thank you for all the reviews.
1: And thank you ahead of time for any nice comments you leave us this time. we'd like to see a couple for next time
0: (laughs) and also if anybody has any things they'd like us to talk about that might be a good thing as well always
1: always if there's anything that you want us to to discuss or go into deeper do let us know
0: so I suppose we'd better say goodbye otherwise we'll be here forever (laughs) so until next time don't forget to live a radical life of unconditional love (sighs) I forgot to thank you
1: (laughs) I don't need to be thanked
0: also I have got this last thing on here, but my birthday on Friday.
1: Oh, are you having a birthday? You're going to be
0: 60. 60? Don't tell everybody. <laughs> Actually, it doesn't matter. I don't mind being 60. You know, I'm. this is my year for being who I really am. I'm going to take joy in being 60. Should we talk about that next week? Yeah. But, but, Six, 60's
1: where it's at.
0: I also think that we need to talk about having joy and being joyf- more joyful and, yeah, not to be afraid of who we are. Well, I suppose that's a happy birthday for Friday then. I suppose you better we better go turn off because you've got a birthday cake to uh, <laughs> to
1: see to. <laughs> Thank you, John.